in chapter 13 of Matthew's Gospel. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 9 this morning. The Gospel of our Lord from the book of Matthew says, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, but they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Oh God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth, and you sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your Spirit upon all flesh, and hasten the coming of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. When we hear the phrase, the kingdom of God, or perhaps even worse, the kingdom of heaven, typically our minds immediately go out to some distant time in the future where we will get beyond this earthly life. And the reason we think of that is because we are products of our culture. In Jesus' time, the kingdom of God did not refer to some distant, far-out future plan beyond death, and the kingdom of heaven was not about us getting to heaven. Instead, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, those two phrases Jesus uses interchangeably in his, in his life and in his earthly ministry, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, refer to God's rule and reign among his people. It's what Jesus was talking about when he taught his disciples to pray, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is done in heaven. He was teaching his disciples to pray that God's rule and reign would take place on earth just as it's done in heaven. And what that means is that what God, as creator of all things and as redeemer of all that has been, of all that has been lost, that, that that God's will would be done. Because his will is for his love to be known throughout the world, for his name to be magnified through the, the loving lives that are poured out by his people. And so the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is not just some future idea. It's not some future place that we can get to. Instead, it is about God's, God's future, really, coming 
to us here and now, teaching us what it is to, to live as though God is indeed King. It is very this-worldly. It is not other-worldly. It is so this-worldly, even to the extent that Christ talked about creating a new heavens and a new earth. And the great city of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, descending from heaven to that new earth where God's people would dwell. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven throughout the Gospels and even in the Old Testament is often communicated through horticultural metaphors. We read of vines and vineyards. We read of fig trees. We read of roots and branches and leaves. You remember even how the, uh, the, the first psalm speaks of the righteous being like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is, is often described as a plant. It's often described in the, in the idea of, of taking root and growing up and bearing fruit and reproducing itself. And here we have a parable of a sower. And in this parable, we're told that the sower has his bag of seed and he's going out and he is scattering seed as he walks the earth. It is this parable is specifically about sharing the life of God's kingdom. It is about becoming kingdom people and being kingdom people and what it's like to be kingdom people. It's about sharing that kingdom life. As we look at this parable, we notice a couple of specific things. The first thing we notice is is kind of the end result of what is taking place. And that is the harvest. Notice how the, the parable ended before Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He said, Others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He talks about a variety of, of different plentiful harvests that, are, that, that come about because of this kingdom seed that's being scattered. And the harvest is God's fruit in our lives. It is the produce. What comes about. What the end result ought to be. What ought to be produced. And God's fruit in our lives, of course we can mention a couple of things that, that, that we know quite, quite plainly uh, as, 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 um, as students of the Word. We can think of this, the Spirit's fruit in our lives or the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, temperance. The fruit that God, through His Spirit, wants to make evident in our lives and have come out of our lives. That obviously is a part of what it means to be <clears throat> living as kingdom people and, and bearing fruit in our lives. God is wanting to produce this type of fruit. This type of fruit that is characterized by love and joy and peace and on the list goes. And so His Spirit is working in our lives to produce this type of fruit. Because God wants a harvest. He wants a harvest in our lives and He wants a harvest in our world. 
But another kind of fruit that we find very plainly in the scriptures, and this can even rush our minds back to Genesis uh, chapter 2 as God created man and woman, and that is self-replicating fruit. Yes, God wants to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Where's my list? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and temperance. Yes, he wants to see that fruit in our lives. But even, even not more than that, but because of that, God also wants to see the fruit of my life as I replicate my, my walk with Jesus into the lives of others. He wants to see self-replicating fruit. Disciples producing disciples. In fact, that's what it means to be a disciple. If you're not sharing your walk with Jesus with others, then something is wrong with your walk with Jesus. Now that doesn't mean if you're not grabbing folks by the collar, if you're not quoting scripture at folks, that doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean if you're not you know, evangelizing, it doesn't mean that. But in some way, God bears fruit in our lives so that we can invest that fruit into the lives of others. I mean, think of it, like an apple tree. The goal of an apple tree is not just to have apples. The goal of an apple tree, horticulturally, is to have more apple trees. And so the apple tree that is healthy and strong, that's rooted well, It's got plenty of sunlight, plenty of water. That apple tree produces apples, and those apples contain seeds. And some of those apples fall to the ground and die. Some of the fruit that God produces in our lives seems like a waste. Someone could have eaten that. Sometimes the fruit that God is producing in our lives is to to be used and spent for the sake of others, so that there can be more apple trees. When we think of self-replication, we think of families having babies, we think of, of people reproducing themselves. And God wants His family to have babies, to reproduce themselves. God looks out upon the world and says, I want more. You could make the case that that's why He created us, even. Let us make man in our image. Is that perhaps God the Father looking at the Son and says, let's make more. In sum, the kingdom-related good that Christ wants to produce in and through our lives is what Jesus is getting at when He talks about the harvest of the kingdom. God wants kingdom-related good in our lives. And sometimes that is about us becoming better disciples of Him, and sometimes that's about us sharing that discipleship with others. Sharing the good news of what God has done in our lives with others. God wants a harvest. He wants fruit in our lives. 
and he is working to produce it. The second thing that we notice in this parable, the very obvious thing, is the seed. The, uh, the, the harvest is the end result, but the seed is, is what begins that end result. It is what begins the process. And it is God's way of getting things started. God kickstarts things in our lives. We might refer to it as prevenient grace, as John Wesley spoke of it. The grace that comes before, the, the grace that prevents, the, the, the grace that, that prepares the way. It's, it's about God preparing us and protecting us and through His Spirit drawing us. But the seed of this kingdom is, is about God getting things started. Getting life kicked off. And here the, the, the seed is specifically connected to the proclamation of the good news. If you'll remember, a few weeks ago I mentioned the good news, the gospel, can be summed up really in three statements. The first is that the kingdom has come and is coming. The second is that Jesus is Lord. And the third is that God is recreating that which has been lost. He's recreating that which has been tarnished and broken by sin. And so when we think about the fact that the kingdom is coming and has come, it's, it's not an either or, it's a both and situation. The kingdom is now here, Jesus said, but it's also something that is being produced. It's something that, that will come in its fullness at some future date. And when we think about the fact that Jesus is Lord, it's not just some theological statement we make. It's a theological statement that we make, that we declare based upon something that has happened. And that is, according to, to Paul and the other New Testament writers, that God raised him from the dead and vindicated the fact that he was the Messiah and the Redeemer of the world. And if we declare that God is recreating all things, that He's fixing what's broken, that He is that He is uh, that he, he is healing what is diseased, if we declare that, and we say we're looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth, if we declare that God is going to eventually right all wrongs, then in our lives there ought to be evidence of that, as God is putting our lives back together as God is healing our families as he is as he is mending our brokenness and so the proclamation of the good news and this this scattering of the seed by the sower is aimed toward producing a harvest when the new testament uses this phrase, good news, or the word gospel, it's actually borrowing uh, from, a, uh, from, from the way it was used in the Roman imperial world. Good news was something that Rome was very well aware of. Good news would, would, would be a pronouncement of the birth of a new emperor, the announcement that there had been some great military victory, the announcement that perhaps uh, there's an imperial visit on its way. And so when Paul and, and, and Jesus and others in the New Testament, when they take that term good news, when they take that term the gospel, 
They are refitting it to announce not something about the Roman world order, to not announce something about Caesar, but instead to declare that Jesus is indeed Lord and that His kingdom is coming and is even now here. God wants to see fruit in our lives. He wants to see fruit in your life and in mine. And so He begins working in our lives, drawing us to the place where we can produce fruit. Sometimes that drawing is very slow. Sometimes that drawing is very painful. But all of us can probably look back over our past and see different ways that our lives begin taking slight turns to bring us to where we are now. To bring us to where God is working in our lives now. Some of us just a few months ago, God wasn't even on our radar. Some of us a few years ago, we think, I I wasn't in any way looking to follow Jesus and now look where I am. God has a way of getting the seeds of the gospel into our lives so that they can begin to, to, to break down and germinate, so they can begin to work some root systems into the soil so that they can eventually break ground and grow and begin bearing fruit. Because God wants to see a harvest. He cares about us and He cares about His world. And so, what is Jesus saying? He's saying a few specific things. He's saying that God wants His world and His people to bear fruit. That's very obvious. God wants His world to bear fruit. He wants His people To bear fruit. But he is also saying to us that God is at work in this world. He's at work in His people and through His people. He's at work. God is not the God of deism who who has created all things and then just steps aside and lets everything run its course. He is very much involved in what is happening. He cares. He's got a vested interest in what's happening. So God is at work in his world. Sometimes we can't see how he's working. Sometimes we 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 wonder why did God do this or why did he cause that? And sometimes maybe he didn't do this or cause that. Sometimes we scratch our heads and wonder God, what are you doing? Sometimes we have to look beyond the surface. Sometimes we've got to look beyond the great hurts. Not to deny them, not to act as though they don't exist, but sometimes we can find God working under the surface of things. But God is very much at work in His world, particularly in and through His people. 
God is at work especially through the ministry of the gospel. God wants the good news to be pronounced. He wants the good news of His kingdom coming to be shared with others. But Jesus is also saying that our responses to God's wants and work in our lives vary. Because he mentioned specifically the four different types of soil. He said as the sower was casting the seed, that some fell on the wayside and the birds of the air came along and picked them up. Nothing happened. Nothing was produced. The seed didn't get down into the dirt. It didn't have an opportunity to do much of anything. It was simply eaten and was gone. He mentions the rocky ground or the stony ground. The seed falls among the rocks. And there's a fast yielding of crops. It, it, it springs up quickly, but the earth is shallow. There's very little soil for those seeds. And the sun comes out and begins to bake. And it scorches the life that's being produced. He said that there's some seed that falls among the thorns. And the thorns spring up and they choke out the life that would be produced by the seed that fell there. And he mentions the good ground. The good earth where some of the seed lands and begins to take root and bear fruit. And so when Jesus is describing these different environments, these different settings, these different contexts in which the seed will fall to the ground, He's, he's making it plain to us that our responses to God's wants, to His work, to the seed that He, that he wants to see take root in our lives vary. Our responses are sometimes good and sometimes bad. Sometimes we harm ourselves. Sometimes we we allow the, the cares of this world to choke out the life of what God wants to do in us. Sometimes we're just too busy. We got too much going on. We got too many other priorities and too many other interests. Paul, in a in a very unfortunate pronouncement. In his, perhaps his, his final New Testament letter, as he's awaiting the end of his life, writes of a man named Demas. And when you come across that name, he says, Demas is with me no more, but he's abandoned me. And he mentioned that Demas was, was, was enticed by other things. Demas was mentioned previously in a couple of Paul's letters as being a good and faithful help. A worker. A fellow laborer in the gospel. But in the end, the cares of the world choked out the life. Our responses to God's wants and to His work in our lives vary. And sometimes we get really excited about what God is doing. And then we find ourselves allowing what He is doing to be supplanted by other things.
So what about us? That's what Jesus was getting at. That's what He was saying. But what about us? How do we evaluate our lives in response to this parable? And really, there are a couple of questions that we ought to ask ourselves. One is, what type of soil is your life proving to be right now? What type of soil am I? Is the seed that God is scattering into my life, is it falling to the wayside? Is it just being chewed up before it can take root? Is it falling among the rocks and it's just not getting deep enough? It's too shallow. I'm not going deep enough in God. And therefore, when, when trouble comes and that sun begins to rise up into the sky, does it burn out what is so shallow in my life? Am I allowing too many thorns to grow up and choke out the work of the gospel in my life? Or am I bearing fruit? Now notice, this is a parable. This is not a, a diagnosis of fatalism. Jesus is not saying, well, you are one type of soil or the other, and you can't make a difference what type of soil you are. There are times in our lives where we, where we have thorns all in our lives that are choking out the gospel. And there are times in our lives where we're making great strides in God. And, and we find that the soil of our lives is, is healthy and it's plentiful and it's rich and it's been nourished. And so, this, so where we fit in these four types of soil is not a static thing. It is always adjustable how we respond to God's grace in our lives. Sometimes we respond well and sometimes we, unfortunately, respond poorly. But Jesus is not wanting us to be fatalistic here and think, well, whatever is, is determined. He's wanting us to take stock of our lives and say, wait a minute. I'm not allowing what God is doing in my life to get deep. I need to get it deeper. I'm not allowing, or I am allowing things in my life to choke out what God wants to do and how I could grow in Him. I need to weed out some of those thorns. Or wait a minute, I'm producing 30-fold fruit. Perhaps I could produce 60. What type of soil... Is your life and is my life proving to be right now? But the second question we ought to ask ourselves is, are you sowing seeds into the lives of others? Because the invitation seems to be open to us that this is the work that God is about doing in His world. Scattering seed so that it might take root and produce fruit in the lives of others. And the invitation seems to be open to us to join Him in that ministry. Am I sowing seeds in the lives of others? <clears throat> we might think, well, 
look, I, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't, that's, that's not for me. Look, I, you know, I'm, I'm afraid to talk to people about my faith. Look, that's kind of an awkward subject to bring up in the, in the office. Hey, I don't have any friends who aren't Christians. If that's the case, we've got a problem. Jesus was a friend of sinners. One of the great Wesley hymns was Jesus, the friend of sinners. But in some measure, we can all be, be in some way. It may seem small, it may seem to us insignificant, but we all in some way can be sowing seeds into the lives of others. I'll give you an easy one. You could do it this week. Invite someone to church with you next week. That's a whole lot easier than, let me tell you the story of how I came to know Jesus. That can be kind of an intimidating starter of a conversation. But as, as, as you get to know people, whether it's a coworker or whether it's a friend or whether it's just the cashier at the, at the, or the barista at the, the coffee shop, as you begin to chit-chat with people, they be, it's funny, they begin to share things that normally will open up opportunities. Say, do you go to church anywhere? Actually, no, I don't. Well, hey, look, I'm not a pastor or anything. I can't tell them that, but look, I'm not a pastor or anything, but you ought to come to church with me this Sunday. I think you'd like it. It's a very comfortable group of people. We've got great coffee, great tea. You ought to come with me. Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Do we have ears to hear? Will we hear what he's saying to us? And to hear, in Jesus' world, was to obey. Let's pray.